Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Forgot the secret of steel and left it on the battlefield. And we who found it are just men, not gods, not giants, just men. And the secret of steel has always carried with it a mystery. You must learn its rhythm, you must learn its discipline. For no one. No one in this world can you trust. Not men, not women, not beasts. This you can trust. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. I am an exercise physiologist and a sports nutritionist and a competitive bodybuilder. Welcome. Robert Fortress Fortney here, former editor at Muscle Mag International, former competitive bodybuilder, and uh, soon to be again competitive powerlifter. Ooh. This is Phil Stevens. I lift big things. No, I, that's just going to kind of fit in later. Uh, strength coach, athlete uh, across the board, and uh, numerous other things. And you're a, right and, uh, and animal tender. Yeah, yeah. I got 14 chickens, a goat, and a cow, and two dogs. That's a lot of protein walking around. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, listen, before we get going, uh, I've been remiss the last couple of episodes in mentioning uh, a couple of things. One is that it really helps us, uh, listeners, if you make a comment or vote for us on iTunes, if you have not. It, it, it helps our little popularity ranking and things like that. So we want to spread the word as much as possible. So don't forget, you know, you can go to iTunes and, you know, click the vote link, a, a vote or a comment of any kind. You know, you can, uh, you know, tell the world how offended you are by Rob, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. Why would that be? Well, you know, your harsh language and your, uh, Abrasive demeanor. No oh, man, no. <laughs> I'm almost. Hey, listen, we got a um, email by the way from a gentleman by the name of Jason Beck, uh, and for you guys out there who uh, go onto YouTube, check this dude out, man. He's a uh, he's been training with weights for like over 20 years or something. His accomplishments are awesome. He's like an 810 squat, 495 bench, 766 deadlift, all that kind of wow. stuff at like 220. Anyway, he's got some cool videos over on. Uh, over on YouTube, I checked them out. Anyway, he just sent us this nice email. Um, said he's really enjoying the uh, the podcast, and he said something really nice. About, well, I mean, I won't read the whole darn thing because he goes into exactly what it is, how we helped him. But um, at the end of the email, he said, basically, well, I'm trying to say that you guys ju- don't just help the new guys or the people just coming up. You help even the lifters who sometimes need reminders, even after all these years of battling the iron. Keep up the good work. So thank you, Jason cool. Beck. Um, we very much appreciate that. And, yeah, I mean, we, we always try to... Uh, um, you know, make it known that we're not here just for the beginners. We're not just for the advanced guys. We're kind of here for for all our brothers and sisters of iron, whatever level you may be at. So, right on. We all need reminders. Yeah. Well, you know? absolutely. You know. And so, yeah. I mean, I and and I think I pride I you know myself on a bit of, with this, with this, with this podcast being something that uh, 
you know, I think gives a lot of good information, both to people who are almost ranked beginners and people who have been, been around a long time. So, because um, I don't think any of us really uh, forgets, you know, what it's like to be, you know, that guy who's, you know, well, one, two years in the gym and you, you, you know, you're still trying to make your way. I mean, I'm, I'm still making my way, so. Right. Yeah. Hey, um, I, I wanted to share a little bit of news that will segue us into our topic. We're not going to have a guest today. We're just going to talk about something that I think a lot of listeners will identify with. But uh, I don't know if anybody's seen the – I think it's Weight Watchers has a new commercial. And there's this gentleman on there, and he's he's there's sort of dumbbells behind him. Or as I was saying earlier, you guys, uh, it's a, a utility bench with a bar bell on it or something. And he it, they sort of toss that away visually – and he's like, all oh, that stuff doesn't work. You know, what I need to do is restrict my calories and my portion sizes and use this system. And, oh, my God. You know, could there be more poor advice? I mean, this is like the anti-iron radio, right? <laughs> don't lift heavy things. That's silly. Just don't eat. You know, stop eating instead. Oh, that'll make you a man, you know? Yeah. And it's funny how these four men diet programs or, you know, they always try to have this sort of cliche machoism to them, you know, about, oh, well, you know, what's the difference between a dark beer and a light beer? Or, you know, they'll talk about meat or something like that. Hey, no problem talking about meat or beer, especially if it's something like a stout beer. But still, the point being is, wow, you know, do away with the weights. There's a great message for the public. I mean, we need to somehow uh, have a debate with somebody, they can get some of their dietitians on there or something. It, that'd be fantastic. You know, have a little uh, uh, debate on Doctor Phil if we could restrain uh, uh, Rob or Phil from uh, you know going across the table. <laughs> that's not Doctor Phil. That's what's the cheesy um, uh, Doctor Oz. Doctor Oz it, it keeps things under control at least. What's the one where people go across the table? Mari Povich or something? Oh, or yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the tabloidy stuff. <laughs> yeah, and we'll just you know we'll just argue them down intellectually. Then we'll beat them on top of it. Yeah, you know these people are not Iron Radio approved. Clearly no. Yeah. I mean tossing away the weights like that. I mean I just don't know what. You know what, what we thinking. should do on our own dollar. Because I can, I can make these things. We need to make Iron Radio approved stickers, and send them to all the companies and people that we think. I mean, you know, it's thirty five cent stamps. We could just send them out to things that we do approve. Yep. You know, they don't probably put them on their windows like gyms and stuff. They, they should have to reapply though every year. Like we'll have the the, the year on every sticker. Yeah. In case they go soft. Yeah, exactly. So there's always the the the, the uh, you know. Them going a Roman distribution or something. We can have like a two dollar affiliate fee. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be rich. Yeah. yeah, make them make them buy our approval. Yeah. We, Somehow that cheapens it. I don't know. <laughs> we definitely do need the uh, you know uh, to be able to revoke them too because you know. yeah. No, I like that. That's true. You got to keep tabs on them. They, they got to continually earn their uh, virility. Exactly, man. You know, or intellectualism well, or combination. You know that old Inspector Gadget cartoon where after a while the note exploded? We'll make the stickers that way. After a year, they just they go away. There you go. They degrade. And you know what? Just to be antisocial, we should have opposite stickers, you know, with like a big red no sign yeah. across. You know, not approved. <laughs> and we'll, 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 sneak, we'll, sneak, we'll sneak up to their cars when they're in a parking lot. We'll stick it on the side of their car. Just to let you know, you're disapproved. <laughs> We disapprove. <laughs> and I think Weight Watchers for Men, uh, 
if that is indeed the one, there's a there's one or two of these you know four men diet programs that are on you know all over the TV now. Yeah. Now, if um, you're a man listening to us right now and you're considering going to Weight Watchers for men, just turn off the channel, please. Yeah, it's just not going to help you. They're leading you down the primrose path. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get sued or something here. <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, I, I'm sure on their website there's probably something about workouts or something like that. I just really hated that visual. That you know somehow I mean because of anything you can do with your diet. I mean this is as a dietitian and a nutritionist. I'm I'm saying this. Exercise is the more potent stimulus. It's what allows everything else to happen. I mean this is iron radio, not diet radio. You know, not portion control radio. Yeah. So that's your key. The iron is the key. So whatever else the plan is, it must involve the essential component. You know. Uh, our Lonnie here competed in a bodybuilding competition there a week or two ago. Did very well, and his posing music contained the uh, you know legendary, infamous line from the first Conan movie where he's talking about what, what, what does he say? He says, uh, uh, "You can neither trust in man, woman, or beast, but in this you can trust." And he holds up the steel. This you can trust. Oh yeah, well, that has- and I think that's I, actually when Iron Radio started. By the way, I competed just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, you said a year ago. No, I said one or two weeks ago, or didn't. Oh, I okay. Think so. yeah. Well, anyway, when I first did the Iron Radio p- page, there were, there was a little Easter egg on it where you could click and hear that link, right? Because yeah. it is it's something yeah. you can trust. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, sort of segueing from all this stuff, I mean, the way society looks at our obesity problem or strength training in general. That's our question. That's our topic for the day, which is basically, have you ever had a social stigma applied to you uh, because of your weight training? Now, it could be your appearance, your demeanor, you know, your size, whatever it is. But I think we, we probably should talk about the social stigma and how the general public perceive uh, the subculture of iron sports or strength sports. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, if you, Phil, oh, anybody, go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, um, you know, if you if you look at all the magazines and all the comics and, I mean, going back to like Archie comics and, you know, the, whatever that guy's name was, Moose, I think it was. He was the uh, athlete. He was always the uh, big dumb jock of the school. I mean, and, and I mean, we've seen hundreds of times throughout our lives, you know, the, the reference made in movies or comics or any of this type of thing is the, you know, the, the big dumb, the big guy is the big dumb guy. You know, the, um, you know, the jock is an idiot. You know, the guy that trains with weights and has lots of muscles is an idiot. You know, kind of a good-natured guy, but stupid, you know? Right. It's almost like society demands that an individual be one-dimensional. Like, yeah. if you have strength or power in that way, certainly you can't have any gray matter on top of it. Right. I mean, I mean, you know, not to be off. Whoa. Jeez, that could, that, could, that could be the launch codes right there. The launch codes. <laughs> um, Usually it's our guest that has a phone on. Yeah, what's going on? Oh, look at Phil, man. He's ordering a pizza or something. <laughs> <laughs> so much for Weight Watchers. Yeah. One, one, one but the difference is he'll go squat 700 pounds yeah, later. one extra large grease wheel, please. Send yeah. it to the place with 2,500 chickens. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but I was just saying, you know, I mean, not to get off topic about, you know, our avenue, but, I mean, the same thing happens to a lot of people. I mean, you're talking about, and it's only, you know, you sparked me off in thinking about this because you're talking about one-dimensional. And, I mean, you look at people even like beautiful women, right? They're considered, well, you know, I bet she has nothing on top kind of a thing, right? And, and it's just, 
yeah, I think I think our society likes to look at people as one-dimensional. You're only one thing, right? You're either big and muscular, you're you're pretty but nothing else. You're you're you know if you're if you're exceedingly smart, you're a dweeb, you know. Um, and and I think it's unfair. And I, I don't know why that is though. I think there's just such a large number of uh, weight trainers who are intellectual, for lack of a better term, nowadays, that it's just going to become harder and harder to keep reinforcing that stereotype. I mean, I, I think we talked a few episodes ago. I got the, the uh, article from John Mike about, um, you know, professor bodybuilders and breaking that stereotype and, and that kind of thing. And you're right. It's either dumb or somehow uh, it's aggressive or criminal. I mean, if you think about the old cartoons, like the old Bugs Bunny stuff, you know, the Shropshire Slasher and all that kind of stuff. There's always these huge, thick, powerlifter-looking dudes, right. <laughs> for lack of a better way to put it, who, you know, are the criminals or the killers or whatever. And, I mean, I suppose there's a vague connection with testosterone there and aggression and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, well, I was actually... You know, and it's unspoken, but, yeah. you know, people, they, they, they've got to let go of some of that kind of stuff because we, we simultaneously value muscularity... And also demonize it. Yeah. It's this weird double standard. Well, I think, Sorry, go ahead. Phil. I was just going to say, I think Jim Wendler said it well. You know, being male nowadays, it's even a felony. I mean, you mentioned the word testosterone as, oh, you know, and, and damn it, I mean, that's a, that's a big part of being a man. <laughs> you well, yeah. Know? And, and, you know, even as a class of, of uh, pharmaceuticals, androgens are probably less dangerous than many other classes of pharmaceuticals. Yeah. And, I mean, well, I mean, you hear it um, all the time. Oh, he must have too much testosterone if he's a bad person. You know, uh, you know just... Well, I think the fact of the matter is, like, hypermuscular, you know, muscular um, machismo, uh, masculinity itself, I think, I mean, it, in one way you have to um, concede that there is a basis for why a lot of people might think that. Because, again, people who are... Men who are very, you know, extra masculine, um, you know, their pursuits are things that are often very um, um, barbaric almost in nature, right? If you look at professional wrestling or, you know, a lot of the top, you know, um, performance athletes and these types of things. And certainly a lot of people like us, right? I mean, look at, look at the way we began the show today, you know, a lot of bravado, a lot of that type of thing. So it does lend itself a little bit to that idea. The problem is that most people don't only see that, uh, you know, they only see that superficiality. They don't look below the surface. Um, you know, they see some guy, because, I mean, let's face it, when you're squatting 700 pounds, um, it is a pretty barbaric thing to do, you know, and most people are either getting slapped before it or punched or yelling or growling or, you know, go, you know, getting themselves into some sort of, like, you know, fit of rage. And it kinda- Hey, listen, when, when you think about the sociology of it, we all have different roles in different settings in our life. You know, and it's uncomfortable for someone. Let's say you're, well, like like me as a teacher, my students, they want to see me as someone who's calm or if I'm not so calm, I might be excited about what I'm teaching, but intellectual or something. They don't want to see me doing deadlifts with bloody shins as the bar drags up them or something. You know what I mean? They 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 don't want to see that. They don't want to, they can't get their head around that a little. Yeah. And I've even had other faculty people sit down with students and sort of snicker at bodybuilding pictures of me online. I mean, how absurd is that? First of all, I think that's crossing the line in a big way. But and, and let's face it, by and large, I do have other friends who are faculty people who who actually um, weight trained very seriously before and even competed in bodybuilding. But yeah. at the same time, you get the idea that this is something to the non-iron sport person is almost unacceptable. You know, it's contemptuous in some way. Yeah. Like, tee hee, look at that. You know, look what Dr. Lowry's doing. 
It's like, well, why should I be embarrassed by that? I've done it since I was 12 years old. I think people think bodybuilding especially is cheesy because they've seen cheesy bodybuilders in the nudes or criminals right. or dumb or whatever. Yeah. And it, it, they just never got exposed to people who are normal and like the yeah. sport. Well, the thing you know, is, and maybe maybe we are fewer and farther between, but let's face it, how many t- emails have we gotten over the last three years on Iron Radio from people saying, oh, my God, you guys, you're speaking my language, yeah. you know? Well, I think, and I think Phil could probably, um, you know, relate to what I'm about to say, but I found that um, usual, usually, and of course there's exceptions to every rule, but certainly within the, you know, the more strength, pure strength um, branches of weight training, um, usually the more accomplished the, the lifter or the athlete Usually, the more they they are able to, after so many years doing it, separate aspects of their personality, so so they're appropriate in any given situation. You know, like the way uh, you know a top lifter might be in the gym around his buds when they're like going like you know very heavy on a deadlift or something, is probably very different than the way you'll find them if if you know if you just came across them at their place of work or something like that. Right, and that's not bad. Nobody's being false. It's not like we're in the closet. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah. it's not appropriate. It'd be like if you're interested in martial arts, wearing your full kendo uniform to work. It's not, <laughs> not, not appropriate. Yeah. No, you know, I, not appropriate. Yeah, I think you're right, though, Rob. I think everybody that starts in this, um, for the few, first few years, it kind of does define you if you're serious about it. And then after a while, you kind of progress, and, and it's just a large part. It, it, it's a part of the whole. Um, you know, and, and like you said, you, you're able to... Uh, control yourself in other situations and maybe carry yourself different than this and that. And it's not that you're trying to hide anything. It's just that there's, there's more to you than that cover. Right. Uh, well, I mean, you know, and I bring him up a lot only because he's, you know, it was such an influence and, you know, um, idol of mine. But Tom Platz, the first time I met him, you know, the whole idea of, you know, um, the golden eagle, the berserker, you know, and all his intensity in the gym and animal, animal nature and so forth. And, you know, when you meet the guy... And you're just sitting with him over dinner. It, it used to always marvel me, like, oh, but this is that guy, you know, and he's so calm. You know, he's just so – and it was funny because we were at a steakhouse once eating, uh, me, him, and a friend of his. Oh, I know what you're yeah. going to say. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, he, we, we were just talking about whatever, and he was being so calm, so relaxed. And we started talking about lifting weights, and he was start, you know, he was – I was at – this is the first time I actually had ever met him. So, you know, I was really asking him a lot of questions and – you know, about the good old days and this and that, and you lifted this and so forth. And the more he just spoke about it, the more you could see him, that that side of him kind of, you know, emerging, um, you know, unfortunately in, 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 a, in an inappropriate place, you know, and people around him were starting to, you know, people in the restaurant, I remember, were starting to, uh, you know, look over at him. His face starts getting a little red, and he started really talking. And, you know, you can, you can see that, that it, it was a part of him, but he had over right. the years been, you know, able to either consciously or unconsciously kind of, you know, you know, sequester that to a specific place where, you know, it doesn't really infect the rest of, you know, um, his day-to-day activities. Right. He's passionate about it, you know? Yeah. 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 But like you said, too, yeah, he's developed that passion or that aggression either naturally or, yeah, um, through behavioral modification over the years. Yeah, he, he can go off like that, sometimes maybe even a little bit. Surprising. Yeah, well, I mean, I look at the movie with uh, Sylvester Stallone, that over-the-top movie, which, um, you know, for those listeners who hasn't, haven't seen it, you definitely want to watch this. One of the more cheesy um, 80s Sylvester Stallone action movies, but he's a championship wrestler, or arm wrestler. Mm-hmm. And uh, the whole thing in that movie is he's a trucker um, that always wears his baseball cap, you know, forward, and then when he's about to arm wrestle, arm wrestle he 
pulls the hat so the brim's towards the back, and he explains it at one point in the film, saying, you know, it's, it's like turning a switch on and off. Now, that's kind of a cheesy way of kind of, you know, making an example of that. But, I mean, the, the truth is, yeah. really, I mean, you, you almost have to have that switch, right, where, you know, you... you I mean, you can't go 24 hours a day just, you know, acting like a barbarian. I mean, I mean, I suppose you could, but nobody's going to take you seriously after you, you know, destroy a couple cars and, you know, kill a couple cows. But, you know, <laughs> you, you, know but you, you do have to come to that point where, and I, and I think it's more important the more advanced you become, obviously, because you come, like it or not, you become more and more kind of a, um, a symbol to the general public uh, of what you represent. Um, so, you know, and... and it's like these pop stars who say, you know, I never want to be a role model. Well, you know, it kind of comes with the territory. You might not want to do it, and it might not be, you know, what you were doing it for in the first place. But at some point, you have to realize that, you know, at some point, if you get to a certain level of advancement within whatever you do, you do become some, some somewhat a, of a symbol or, you know, certainly a visual representation, um, you know, of what it is that you do. And, and you know, if, if you have... Nothing but big guys walking around, pushing people around, being, you know, being assholes to... That's what people see. And unfortunately, <clears throat> a lot of the people that do this are, you know, college-age football player type guys and that. And they do do that. And, you know, and that, I think that's what has perpetuated that kind of, you know, that stereotype. And unfortunately, it takes guys like, you know, Lonnie Lowry or something like that to kind of, you know, almost balance that out the other way a bit and say, hey, you know what, we're not all like that. You know, well, look at look at Phil. You know, with his ma- it's, it's a master's. Is it is music? No, film? and oil painting. Yeah, oh, painting. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. But you don't you have a music background too? No, no, or? my brother does, but not me. Okay. So yeah, so art. Yeah. And so you said you you have some anecdotes about that, or how did that mesh with your whole art world? Oh yeah. Well, I know I'm the only I'm probably the only art graduate student that was on a full scholarship that his only his only furniture in his house was a power rack, but um. <laughs> but I mean, it it kind of worked, um, especially once I was out of school. Showing it actually helped. Um, I got a lot of looks. You know, I'd have shows, and here comes in you know twenty, thirty big, you know, big strong guys coming to see their friends, and people are like looking, looking like, oh my goodness. But you know, it worked. It made me stick out a bit, which helps in the art world, especially nowadays. Um, but I mean, I think you do, and I'm sure Rob's Rob's had this and. Uh, you know, kind of Bill Pearl's story about that little kid that that pointed at him and said, "Mommy doesn't talk." You know, <laughs> and you right, and you yeah. get that. You get that. People walk up to you and they're like, "Oh wow!" You know, they they get this look of astonishment. Wow, this thing can talk, and it's like, you know, yeah, you know, I've got several right. degrees and this and that, and it's um, and yeah, and not just talk, but actually be articulate. Exactly, right? and uh, you know, there's there's a lot of that, but I mean, eh, I I don't know. I guess maybe in time you just blow that off and you get used to it. Um, I don't see it as overwhelming now, but I mean, I'm not like an overly huge guy. But yeah, uh, you know, I well, the appearance I think is part of it, and and sometimes I think it's the it's the 300 plus powerlifters, or maybe the yeah. you know the competing bodybuilders that draw the most ire, yeah. you know, because they're so visually um, different. And it really depends. I mean, when I'm in an art uh, situation, I do I stick out big time, you know. So I mean, it, it depends on where you're at. Um, you know, and then, you know, I get into a situation like at this year's Olympia, and then I went out to eat with all the strongman competitors, and it was the first time I've sat in one place, and I was, like, outweighed by 150 pounds by everybody. You know, the, the, lightest, right. oh, yeah. the lightest guy with me was, like, almost 400. It was like, wow, I feel like I'm midget. So, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, it just depends on, on the context of, of where you're with. But, yeah, I've definitely had that, and I know 
Um, I think it's worse. I've worked with a lot of women in strength sports. And, you know, my wife right now, we just had a dinner with some people that, uh, you know, we're talking to this company. They were wanting some help. They're bringing natural, organic food to town anyways. And, you know, they're, uh, I don't know, the guy's 130 pounds. His wife's probably the same. And my wife's sitting there saying, yeah, I'm trying to get as big and strong as I can and, and gain weight. And they, you just see their eyes get huge and they're like, what the hell? Yeah, they, it doesn't even compute it, a woman who wants to gain weight exactly. and get strong. And well, yeah, it's so it's foreign. Yeah, I mean, it, it's so foreign for people to hear men saying that. I mean, you can imagine, yeah, being a woman saying, you know, I, I want to put on weight. I mean, what woman in contemporary society, you know, goes around saying that? I mean, it's so unusual that people would just look at a woman like an alien. You know, I mean, of course you want to get smaller, don't you? You're a woman, kind of a thing. Exactly. Well, even like when I teach uh, nutrition courses and things like that. Um, I force the issue and include about 10 or 15% as weight gain because I try to explain it to somebody. You know, a big part of sports nutrition is weight gain. But still, the vast majority of most nutrition courses are about how you cut calories or lose weight, you know, uh, and all the tricks and education and evidence that go into that. Um, and I always try to point out, do you people know that it's not easy to gain weight properly? I mean, it's really hard to do that. I mean, if you go with the reckless crash through barriers kind of way of weight gain, if you're lifting really heavy, you can do that. But listen, we're talking about lifting really heavy. Um, or the flip side of that is force feeding. We've talked about that, the big eating topic before on here. And I think a lot of people really are, you know, that's the kind of emails we often get. Oh, you guys, thank God you saved me. You know, I, I, I just, I've been getting away from that and, and eat, doing things I'm supposed to, or what the media is telling me I should. And, Instead of just eating a lot and growing and putting on some size and just running with, you know, what, what I enjoy. Um, and again, we're not here to say everybody just become the Michelin man, but at the same time, you know, embr- embrace eating and heavy lifting because those two things call for each other. Yeah. But, I, I, you um, know, I think also it's, it's, it's worth mentioning that, um, you know, people look at you and, you know, they, they see you being a certain body weight that's, you know, so much above what the average is and so forth. And, all they can see is that. They don't see the purpose of it. And even when you explain it to them, they, they don't. I think we live in a society that's all based on not sticking your head above the crowd, almost being like everybody else. And if you want to do something that involves sacrifice in some way, that's not. I mean, it's all monetary based today, right? But if you're trying to. It's, and that, that seems to be always okay, you know? People can do whatever they want for economic gain. You know, and it, it, it's always somehow justified by somebody at least. Um, but if it's something that doesn't have anything to do with money and is just a pursuit of, yeah. you know, in our case, you know, extreme size or strength or you know, physicality, all of a sudden it's like, well, why would you want to do that to yourself? Why would you want to, you know, walk around three hundred pounds? Why would yeah. you want to, you know, right. eat to your sweating every day? Why would you want to? Why would you be willing to walk around with, you know, and it, it's just it, it kind of that's the thing that kind of gets very troubling because. And I've just I encountered that just recently. Somebody was um, going off at me like that, and I was like, it, "It seems again that people are content, so content to being just normal and average." Um, in, well, in well it's because that- money is power, right? What do we value? Money is now power, not muscular strength or you know battle readiness. Generally, you know what I mean. Yeah. We've society has sort of moved on to this capitalist notion that it's money. So. If you say that I'm going, I'm a very aggressive businessman. No one's going to think twice about that. Oh well, you know he's a real go-getter. He's very successful. 
But if you're highly successful on acquiring muscle mass or strength or even competing and setting records, you know, the average person's like, you know, mildly entertained at best or even worse, sometimes jealous. And I think that's why the general public sometimes like to see people fall. They they like to build up heroes and then watch them fall for the entertainment sort of. And I think there is an element of that when they look at strong people, which is why you hear everything from he's criminal or he's dumb or he has a tiny penis or you know, whatever, yeah, you know. whatever they try to pull out of their, their, their butts there to try to make themselves feel better. Yeah, and, oh, you're going to regret it when you're 50. You know, well, who cares? <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd rather live today, you know, and actually do something. But, uh, well, first of all, right, I mean, the toxicity yeah. issue, if you're going to talk about the pharmaceuticals, is vastly overblown. Yeah. And again, maybe to make people feel better, I don't know. No, I'm even just if you look at the, lifting, you know, lifting. Or, or the lifting, yeah, absolutely, yeah, you're going to have a bad back or your joints are shot or, yeah, it's, got, it's, it's always going to come back to some, somehow, shame on you. Yeah. You know, yeah, but you, is, well, I mean, but that makes sense, right? Because you're, nobody is supposed to live for the moment now. People are always supposed to live. We have it in our mind that we're always supposed to live for the future, right? It, you're, you're supposed to make money for the future. You know, you're supposed to have children, so you know, no, uh, in a in a bigger sense, you know, it will perpetuate our, our species when they're grown and they'll have children and be but the children will take care of us. It's always about the future and I think Oh it is. Well think about it. It's get the job. When you get you get the job, it's get promoted or get tenure or something. Then when you do that, it's oh I'm I'm working for my retirement. And then when you're retired, it's you know it's it just it's always something next. It's always it's not now. Yeah, and that's and that that can be a problem. Well, and, I, and I'm only talking about this because of something Phil said which kind of sparked me thinking about this is the whole idea of like um, I like when you said, Phil, something to the, you know, we'll, you know, live to 50, live to 60, live to 100, you'll have bad back, you'll have bad joints. You know what? Everybody's going to have bad joints if they live long enough, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, but the thing is, how do you want to live now? You know, it, it, should it always be planning for the future? I mean, this sounds really kind of corny and cheesy and cliche, but, you know, um, the future might never come for you. I mean, nobody knows, right? I mean, you don't know it really, and also you have to live for your passion. Really, I mean, your passion is today. Your passion. Why wait? You know, um, right. tomorrow but, will will come for you, or it won't come for you. But today is here, so you, you know you might as well just go for it. It's like that old saying, you know, you only regret the things you didn't do. You know, <laughs> no, yeah, you know, yeah. that's the things you regret the biggest. Um, damn, I wish I would have. Um, but I mean, no. I mean, what we were talking about too. I mean, you even see that in in the fitness sex. You know, people that are are into fitness. Um, us outliers that really do chase one thing are looked at like freaks. Well, you know, yeah, you're you're big and strong, but you can't run. You, you're this and that, and it's like, I I, I don't understand. That. I mean, it's it's a very small sect of people that have the willingness and desire to give up a lot to chase one massive thing. Um, it, it's very much more acceptable to to conform and, and kind of be like everybody else, like you guys were saying. And um, right, yeah. nobody yeah. has that desire because I don't care what it is. And I've said this a lot of times. It's you know if you if you're shooting for greatness in anything, if you want to be the best father in the world, the best athlete in the world, the best teacher in the world, you've got to give up other stuff. You know, if you want to be average, you can kind of get by. But, I mean, yeah, despite the cliche about giving 110% or going over 100, the truth is we have a 100% pie chart, everybody, you know, and if you, your little triangle in your pie chart uh, is powerlifting, that's going to, as, as that expands, it is going to spill over and take the place of certain other things. You know, other people say, I hate when people say, uh, oh, get a life. 
you know, I like Chris Shugart oh, will yeah, actually say, yeah. define that for yeah. me, please. What life? What life? What life should I get? Explain your life to me. Yeah. Do you mean eating out all the time? Or sitting around completely sedentary watching movies and playing with my iPad and, you know what I mean? I mean, what is this life I'm supposed to get? Well, yeah, and nothing's wrong with all those things you're just saying. The point of the matter is, because I actually get that a lot, you know, because my my path has been, in so many ways, has been, you know, not normal compared to the average. But, I mean, I get that a lot, you know, that whole thing about, you know, we want you to, you know, get your life in order. We want you to, you know, or you, you need to, you know, settle down or you need to do this. You need to, it's like... It really, really irks me. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like they're saying, "Get a life." Well, I've got a life. Yeah, you know, it's just I, not yours. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and and it goes back to what was said about you know the, the idea of success, and you know, it's all based on monetary, right? Well, somebody who's you know a success in business is a success in life, but somebody who's maybe not doesn't have a huge bank account, but is a world champion or you know holds records like Phil or something, and you know, all of a sudden people are like, well. That's that's good and everything, but you know you want to be a success in business. You want to you know right. you get but, that retirement fund fun going. You want to, yeah. and it's just very upsetting. You know, I certainly yeah. find it so because like yeah, I, that's a huge issue with me. That whole thing about get a life. You know, like what do you get a life? Who cares if you squat fifty more powers? You know, get a life. Hey, you know what? We all have this life, and I don't want to get into the religious thing, but of course, I think anybody who knows me knows I'm pretty much an atheist, but. You know, I I really believe that we only have this one thing going along here, and you know, at the end of it, it's lights out. So yeah. you know, don't have anybody else tell me what get a life is. You know, well, that's the problem with looking too far forward into the future. I'll be happy when I get promoted or tenure. I'll be happy when I retire. I'll be happy when the kids are out of the house. Well, before you know it, you're 75, buddy. You just spent your years. You're done. Yeah. And then you will have Oops. bad joints anyway. <laughs> That's right. Okay, listen, listen. Let's let's take a brief break here. When we come back, I, I will sort of recap what it is that's doing it. You know, setting off this social stigma, or if there is something negative out of the public. You know, what is it? Um, but we'll be right back. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So, uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website, and Phil will as well. Uh, there's currently one running on tnation.com about how to decide when to do more exercise versus diet when you're trying to lean out during those times of the year. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media, and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Okay, we're back. What I'd like to do as sort of the, the last third or so of today's episode is first recap what it is that's doing it. We're talking about a social stigma of hypermuscular or very big or very strong uh, guys. And, I mean, we've been touching on several things. Is it the behavior uh, is it literally the physical size because, uh, let's say, a power lifter takes up more space and they're intimidating? Um, 
you know, uh, what is it? If it's, is it their behavior, their size, their uh, uh, appearance? What do you think sets people off the most or, or puts people off well, the most? Well, I mean, this is probably um, only uh, obviously a very small, well, not very small, but a, a piece of only the puzzle. But I think it has a lot to do with just how some men view other men who are, you know, extremely muscular and strong and large. Is that a whole idea that, you know, you know how, how we know how men are, right? Men are very, um, you know, challenging about themselves and, you know, ego-ridden and, you know, machismo. And I don't think any man who's knows that he's physically in fear wants to believe that the, that person who might he might see as being a physically superior, strong person also could somehow be superior or certainly equal in some other way. Because they have to champion that, well, there's, well, there's one way that I'm better than this person, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So he, so this person's very large, very strong, um, and intimidates me physically, but, but he, he's an idiot, right. though. He's stupid. He's not smart. Yeah. Or something like that, right? Or he doesn't have, like, you know, like Phil, he doesn't, he, he doesn't have a, a quote-unquote refined, you know, um, passion for something like, you know, art or something like yeah. that. It, it's always right. had to be like, well, he's this, but... Yeah. And, I, and I think in a lot of ways, probably a lot of people like us... Um, probably look at it in the opposite way, right? Well, uh, I mean, and we do do it when you think about it, right? Because, I mean, we, we do it a little bit today. The whole idea that, well, in, in the opposite way, well, we'll look at this guy, he's really smart, or he has a lot of money or something, but look at me, I can bench 400 pounds. Yeah. You know, and, and so it's, I don't want to come across that we only do it in one way, because I... I because I, I believe that it goes both ways, right? It's the whole idea, like I said, right, that the, the real smart guy is, I mean, to be fair, how, how is it portrayed in comics and movies and everything? The, the smart guy, he's the dweeb, he's the nerd, he's the little guy that never gets the girl, you know? He's the, the, the 95-pound weakling that can't do it and gets sand kicked in his face. So, I mean, I think we, we, we do it to everybody. We do it, you know... Um, whether we want to or not, we're always kind of putting people in their little place and comparing ourselves to them. And well, if they're like this way, at least we're like that. Or well, the truth is, it crosses boundaries, right? I, I think one of the reasons that I was offended by the Weight Watchers thing, or again, wh- whichever company was doing that, was that they're sort of suggesting that that's not something a it doesn't work, or b that you don't want to do that. But the truth is. Uh, one of the reasons I think Iron Radio has been growing in such popularity is because we're sort of preaching this, you know, message that, hey, you can take a powerlifting or bodybuilding lifestyle and the average person can do amazing things with it. I mean, we're a journalist, an artist, and a scientist. Yeah. You know what I mean? That doesn't fit the cliche. People try to tuck us away. That's not going to work. You know, I mean, you guys are bigger dudes than I am. So in some ways, maybe it, I'm, unlikely in that I would pursue that. But obviously I, I had positive experiences or I wouldn't have embraced it. You know what I mean? And the same thing with you guys. You, you, you become good at something. You're like, hey, I, I like this. I'm good at this. And it doesn't matter what you are. You don't have to fit some stereotype. You know what I mean? None of us are certainly dumb. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't have sexual dysfunction. We don't have criminal records. And so I hate to bust, burst the bubble of what the mass media does. But the truth is quite the opposite. If you can get through those smoke screens and, you know, um, shock value that the media tries to portray, you get down to this core lifestyle that's deeply meaningful, changes your body composition. It would actually fix most of our healthcare problems in this country, not to mention, you know, uh, obesity is, is sort of central to that. And, you know, there you go. It, it's not, um, 
it's not something that's you know a singular type of person does, and you, and you don't necessarily have a lot of faults. You just come to realize, oh my God, there's a lot to be gleaned from this kind of lifestyle. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I think I, I, oh, I agree totally. But I think another thing, maybe, um, I see it time and time again. Anybody that sticks to this game for even say five years, they have an air of confidence that bleeds into the rest of their life. And and other people generally have problems dealing with people that are very self confident. And and I really believe that you know yeah. time under the bar it bleeds. I've seen it time and time again with men and women. It bleeds into your whole life, yeah. um, into your job, into your into your relationships. It just gives you this whole new sense of look. I can do this, and you know people don't like that. It's not comforting um, because everybody wants to think, oh, he's just as insecure as me. He's just as unhappy as me. And I'm I'm sorry, we're not. You know, we're not put on this earth to be unhappy. You're you're put on this earth to find what you love and go do it. Yeah. And have a good time. And I, right. I and that's, I, that's where I think some of the, some of the comments that people will make, it, it, yeah, it, it, often and not always, but often I think it stems from that kind of place, right? Like what, like Rob was saying is, what is it that I have over this guy so I can, you know, appease my ego? Or what is it about me that is somehow good? Whereas this weightlifter guy, he's so confident, you know, I don't want to admit that that unsettles me a little and that I could get just as confident. You know, but instead, let's try to find fault. I mean, once I was out in Phoenix, you know, Camelback, uh, out there, that little mountain yeah. in, in Phoenix. I'm going up there, and at the time, I was lifting all the time at Beauvais Gym there in Phoenix, and, uh, my legs were big. All right. They were big. And I was wearing shorts, and I, we went up the mountain, and my legs were pumped. And I remember this, this girlfriend of this guy, I hear her go, ew. And I look over, and, you know, and she says to her boyfriend, I'm glad you don't have legs like that. And I look at the guy's face and it says it all. You know, this guy is, this guy is hurt. <laughs> he feels slighted. He feels diminished. I didn't say a word. You know what I mean? I, 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 I probably grinned. <laughs> you know, did you, but it's not like I'm wagging it and saying, yeah, you like that, do you? You want, you want, you want to flex it for you? You know, did you, par- uh, did you paraphrase Manny and Pumping Iron, Louis' father, and say, Look at this hunk of man. <laughs> you, but you, but the the point remains like what Phil's saying. This guy instantly was like, "Oh God, this guy is dramatic and he seems confident and he's having fun. You know, he's living life and and I'm getting tossed a bone by my girlfriend. This is not good." Yeah. So, anyway. you know, and, and you know, the, the thing is, it, I keep coming back in my my thoughts to something you said, Lonnie, very early in the show when you were saying about two dimensional. That really rings a bell with me because I, I and you hear it from time to time. People talk about that. I mean, human beings are not two dimensional. You know, we're three dimensional. You know, we have lots of different aspects of it. I mean, and I think it's very easy to, to see somebody only in the way that you are used to seeing them, right? Which, of course, makes total sense. I mean, if you have a, a work colleague, every time you see him, and it's only in that capacity as your colleague at work who's an accountant, whatever it is, you know, you, you start to believe that that's all he is. And, I mean, we all have experienced this before, right? You'll see somebody in, a, in an environment that you're not used to seeing them or knowing them, and all of a sudden it becomes very strange, right? You're like, oh, that's, that was very weird. I, oh my god, I saw them in a mall in a store buying an album, you know, or CD. And, and you're like, I, I never realized that this person actually was a human being. He did other things. Um, yeah. You know, and yeah. I mean, cause I've had actually people say, relating to what we're talking about, I've had people several times in my, you know, the past 20 plus years that I've been training saying to me things like, 
Um, they'll have only known me in a gym, and they'll see me at a mall or in a restaurant or something like that, and they'll be like, "Oh, you know, you're, oh my God, look at you're not, you know, you're not wearing gym clothes, kind of a thing, or you know, you're, right, or you maybe you look a little less yeah. large or something, exactly, you're or, or the opposite thing where I'll have people who have known me for several years who will, you know, one out of the blue, I've had you know women do this, you know, oh, can I come see you, you know, work out, train? Okay, fine. So they come and. It's like, oh, I, like my ex-fiance always used to say that <clears throat> I was so different in the gym than I am outside of the gym. And, and you can only imagine how that would be for somebody who, again, only knows us outside of the gym. You know, like people who know only you, Lonnie, as a professor. You know, they might know you do these things, but their only experience with you is not doing it. You know? Well, you know what? Here's an example. This was years ago, but... There were some pictures of me on the T Nation website, and I was in a dress shirt, you know, and it wasn't a fit cut dress shirt. Because, by the way, let me sidetrack on a tangent. I hate this whole thing with the way shirts are cut these days. I even go get one of these fit cut shirts, and they're thin across the chest, not the waist. What the hell? Anyway, so there's enough of that. But anyway, I had on a regular dress shirt, and it was sort of billowing around my waist, and this guy says, you know, and then he he puts a picture of that of me, and then a picture of me competing. And he goes, "What the hell? Another beast evolves." And I'm like, "There's no evolution." I immediately jumped on this guy, and I said, "I weigh 215 pounds in that picture with like eight percent body fat." You know, it's that it's not the time or the place for me to have on a string tank or a spandex shirt with my sleeves rolled up. You know what I mean? And it's like he he thinks I must not look the same in the dress shirt as on stage. You know, it's like I probably weigh less on stage, dude. You're not, you know, you're you can't get your head around that. But there's there's no evolution at all there. Yeah. You know, yeah. coming coming back to the get a life thing too, and, and all the like you you were talking about, Rob. Everybody wants to find one aspect they're better at. I think you know it might boil down to as well. A lot of it is is finding the excuse, the excuse why I can't do that. You know, it's always well, you must spend six hours a day in the gym. And things like that, and everybody wants an excuse why they can't do it too. Why yeah, can't right. I be an artist and on a radio show and and run a business and have a farm? You know, it's like I live in the same twenty four hour clock you do. <laughs> I just decide to live it differently. Right. Yeah, and, and and it's worth pointing out that of course this doesn't make anybody better or worse. It's what you choose to do, um, and and if you're satisfied with what it is that you pursue in life and what it is that brings you joy. Nobody, and let nobody ever um, demean those things. I mean, I think that one of the greatest gifts of life is if, if, is to have a passion for something. And if you have a passion for multiple things, that's like winning the lottery as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, because then you have meaning, right? What, well, yeah. What's and life so about? You know, people want meaning. I mean, so many people, I mean, their meaning is, um, you know, to rush home to watch the latest, um, you know, episode of Survivor or something. And again, that's fine, whatever, but... Is it really passion? You know, to find people who are truly passionate, right, have a real fire for something. I mean, there's a difference there, you know, and, and those people are in the minority, you know, and those are the people that I think intimidate most of the masses because they, they, they sense something there, you know. They might not know exactly what it is, but they sense that passion. They might not, you know, recognize it as this person has a passion or recognize it as this person has a fierce will to succeed in one thing, but, but a lot of you know, the masses, the average person will recognize it in somebody. And I think that in itself is intimidating to them because uh, maybe it somehow uh, triggers a very kind of 
um, ancient idea in their, you know, brainstem of, you know, this, this person has something that I don't. You know, they have a fire under their belly, in their belly for something, and I really don't. You know? I like that because uh, listeners, as you're listening to this, you're like, oh, these guys are self-congratulatory. <laughs> you know, I'm big or we, we I, are you awesome. know, I'm professional and I'm big and, you know, <laughs> F you. And <laughs> the whole thing is what Rob just said, fire in the belly. And I think that's what the average person doesn't have. It's like that old bare naked lady song about you try to scream and it only comes out as a yawn. I think that's 95% of the population. Uh, but I, I do think that. Even among that 95%, it's not just the five fire-in-the-belly types. Uh, it's it, there, There's a substantial portion of that 95% who do want more. And I think stuff like strength training is a great way to sort of you know, bring some of that meaning. It's, it, it involves an element of sacrifice and well, uh, yeah, but whatever, meaning, whatever you know, not is. in a negative way. Whatever it is. I mean, again, I, I'm not being biased towards – I mean, I am biased towards what we do. But, I mean, it could be anything. And – I mean, we've all met that person that, you know, it does have a fire in their belly for something that is so not what we have passion for, but you almost get swept away in it, don't you? Yeah. I mean, and I've met, I remember a few years ago, I was at a dinner with somebody and um, he was a professor, a math professor at one of the schools here in Toronto. And I remember, you know, like math, I mean, I, I have, you know, no interest in math. I mean, I think it's cool. Don't wrong. Don't get me wrong. I think math is really a real cool. Arithmetic is a very cool thing but i mean you know and he started talking about it and he has a real passion he's written papers on it and books on it and before i knew it at this dinner i it was just an hour of listening to him talk about math you know and it was so interesting to me because he had such a passion for it that he made it interesting to hear him talk about it you know and i well let me let me uh segue with a final question then because we're almost out of time it, along exactly these lines rob do, do you think and i'm gonna hear from phil on this too do you think that what we're talking about with the iron sports when portrayed in an excited way or something like you're saying or a passionate way, do you think it has a chance of going mainstream or do you think some of the uh, social stigmas will prevent it? Well, I think that the, like what we, you know, again, pure strength athletes or, you know, competitive bodybuilders, people who are actually not, you know, I think that really has bled into the mainstream a lot. Um, and the way people perceive, you know, what is a good-looking physique, what is a healthy body. I do believe it's bled into there. Even, I mean, we're making fun of, you know, some of these things like, you know, you go on the infomercial with the abdominizers and all that stuff. And that's all silly stuff. But, I mean, there is some bleed that has come to that from where we are. And But I think as far as a mainstream thing, I think the specificity and the intensity of that specificity of what we do, I think, I don't think that's ever going to translate very well. Because, I, I mean, I don't think most people just are going to understand that. They don't understand the concept of a bloody nose, you know, pushing so hard and and all that kind of thing. I think it, Right, or fainting or throwing up in the gym right, or anything I mean, like I, that. I think, you know, the pure strength sports and competitive bodybuilding and stuff, I think it's so specific and so intense in what it is that um, the most it can hope for, again, is maybe our broader... Um, at least mild understanding of what it is, but yeah, I don't think it'll ever go mainstream because I think I think I lo- I look at it like powerlifting. I look at it like a, a sport like you know top fuel dragsters. You know, it's not the most popular car racing, um, you know, automotive sport. It's an extreme version of that. You know, I, it's always going to be I think more popular for NASCAR and these cars that are, you know versus one car that you know it, it lasts for. You know, eight seconds, and it, you know the car blows up at the end, and you <laughs> right. know it goes in a straight yeah, line. You know what I mean? I mean that's a very yeah. extreme, extreme yeah. 
outlet of that whole arena, you know. And I think the more thing something is pushed to its absolute limit of extremity, the further it's going to go away from the masses, you know, ability to comprehend why it's being done, even if they benefit in the long run from things that it bleeds into other things. Well, you're. Your sports analogy is interesting as opposed to lifestyle because I think Phil engages in some sports that are more entertaining to the general public than maybe just powerlifting. I don't know. What do you think, Phil, about the, well, the mainstream? Can I just say thing? something quick before Phil talks? And I'm sure he'll he'll say something like this. Just look at the fact that strongmen now actually. I mean, it's not mainstream, but at least you can go on TV and you can see strongmen events. Right? You still can't see powerlifting stuff. So I, that's for the wow factor. Right, right. Anyway, I'll let Phil talk now because I'm sure he has something to say about that. No, and and I agree with Rob. I don't think it'll ever go mainstream, but I think it's mainly for the fact of what we talked about. Um, largely, people are sheep. You know, we want to fit in, and it's just never going to be... The, the majority are never going to be the top professor. The majority are never going to be the Bill Gates. The majority are never going to be the top powerlifter. They're never going to walk the margins. They're going to walk in the center. Everybody's afraid to get away from the center um, and truly live for what they believe in. They they're live for what they, they're told they should. Um, it's easier that way. You know, nobody wants to stick out. And um, I think that's the main thing. And, yeah, I mean, sure, there's sports. I mean, Highland Games I compete in, and, you know, you go to an average powerlifting meet, and there's like 40 people, and most of them are family and friends. You go to Highland Games, and there's 20,000 people come through. But that's, I think, more for the fact that, it, it, one, it's a fair atmosphere, and two, you know, you've got people flipping big 20-foot-long logs and stuff like that, So, um, and guys in dresses. So um, Yeah, but, it's less it's less like a dragster and more like motocross or something. Yeah, it's more, there's more you to know. see, I guess. Um, but no, I don't think it, I think it just takes too much. There's too much you have to give up to be good at it. You know, sure, we gain a lot from it, but yeah, we do we do give up things, you know, we don't. We don't spend nights at McDonald's all the time. We don't watch six hours of TV like the average person. You know, we are not the majority, and and you know, we, we I don't think we ever will be. And I think a lot of it does bleed down to people are afraid. They're they're just afraid to 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 go for what they believe in because it's you know if you, if you go for something, there's a risk of failure. And I do want to also point out to listeners that we aren't being, um, I think, you know, trying to sound high and mighty and superior because I personally, of course, and I I think I can speak for you guys too, I I think that whole thing can be extrapolated towards anybody who does anything that, yeah, is, is above and beyond what the average person is doing. You know, the person who doesn't go right home from a work job that they absolutely hate and loathe Right, you know, just to go home and have a, you know, a microwave dinner and and, and fall asleep in front of the TV. You know, it's the person who after having a six pack, right, it's right. you know the person who leaves that crap job that they don't like. I mean, maybe your job is your passion, but for those who, for whom it isn't, you know, the person who leaves there and it doesn't have to be go to the gym, yeah. does anything right, like like goes to like like an art class or goes and does. Uh, you know, swims at the community center, or somebody who has a goes right from there to the indie house film house because they love films. Yeah. And I mean, exactly. any anybody, and, and that's the thing. I I always say to people, I'm not biased against you know thinking that other people are just because they don't weight train. I like anybody who has a fire in their belly for yeah. anything. I love that. I love to be around people who have a passion for something, yeah. and I don't care what it is because I'm telling you. 
you can almost smell and feel it in somebody, yeah. you know, and it doesn't matter if it's their stamp collection or their. Exactly. I think that's why you, know? you, you say you're not religious, Rob, because I think in a lot of ways, and for the record, I'm really not either. Um, I think for the most part, uh, higher purpose comes from what you are doing, yes. you know, like life in every breath. I don't want to sound cheesy like Bushido guy or something, but you know, it's a, it's the same kind of thing. You can have a higher purpose. Um, and a lot of these people, that, you know, that's I, I do think that's what would appeal to them about this lifestyle. Will they excel at it? No, probably not, because all of us are I'd consider us above average competitors. You know, I mean, Phil set some very high level records, actually. But you get the idea is we do invest more of ourselves. And you, I think you can ask most yeah. people. But at the same time, we're not average. My, my wife jokes about that. Well, you know, the, the A word she calls it because she knows that I just don't want to be along that median line, you know, that mean in the bell curve. I don't want to be in the center. I want to be one of the outliers. And some people are more naturally gravitating toward that. I get that. But you, you know what I mean. So anyway. No, and I think, I think it just needs to be stated. I, you know, I think we all agree with Rob. I mean, I don't care if it's the person that's training. You know, ten hours a week to be the world's next world's strongest man, or the or the kid that's practicing piano six hours a day to be the next Mozart. You know, I'm not looking down on any of them. I, I with oh, Rob, I think it's, higher purpose. Yeah, it's just get a fire in your belly. And really, I mean, I don't put down anybody if if you just want to, if you love sitting down watching TV and hanging out, go for it. I'm not going to put you down. Just don't put me in a box and say I'm something I'm not. Right. You know. Right. That's that's the thing I that gets me. Right. So to prevent being hypocritical ourselves, right? You'd have to look at the person who may look average on the surface, but yeah, maybe they are a talented artist, or like Rob said, they have a passion for film or art or music, or you know, there's something else, some some or, hobby that's become more than a hobby or, for them. Or, or I mean, and obviously, I mean, the passion could be for the person. I mean, what better thing if the person is making a, a monetary career out of it? And that's their passion. I mean, if the guy's a plumber and he, that's how he's making his money, but he loves plumbing. You know, he <laughs> loves it. I mean, but I, you know, like we, you shouldn't laugh at it because I mean, if somebody's into it, that's awesome. I think yeah. we lack that here a lot. I think in, in certain Asian cultures, everything, nay, not everything, but oftentimes you see people trying to perfect whatever it is they're doing, having tea. Uh, working on an automobile assembly line, whatever it is, you know, there's some sense of honor or pride in it. And sometimes I think we lack a little bit of that. And like Phil and you have been saying, Rob, I think weight training can sort of teach you that over time. You know, you, like you were talking about cleaning up your mess in the gym, you start to invest enough of yourself in it that you care about it. Yeah. And yeah, and that's what people need. Oh yeah. I mean, like just to say what you're talking about cleaning up at the gym. I've in the last several. I mean, I've always been. I I think a good member of any gym I've been because I've never been one to leave stuff around. But even in this last several years, I've really found myself big time almost finding an extra meaning to being in the gym. Just to I always say wherever I'm training in the gym, and it's usually ninety percent of the time in the same place, right? It's up up by the power rack. I always want to leave it cleaner than when I got there. And it's it's kind of like that martial arts thing, you know, where it's like you respect your dojo, you respect your place of training, right? And you don't walk in there and trash the place. It's you keep it, and and I think that people who come to a higher level of understanding and passion for, and and certainly years um, accumulated doing something, you start actually seeing not only the worth in that, but how that makes you better in so many ways. Just being so mindful of your environment and caring about it, and you know, there's a real it, there's a real artistry, I think, to the whole thing that is missing. It's not just grunt, sweat, yell. 
there's an artistry to it, you know, and I want, my whole purpose is I want to make anything I lift look like art, you know, and it's not, so again, you kind of come to the, you, you kind of come full circle, but at the same time you find different things that are added to, to that passion and that, that pursuit of. Well, as you said, you know, bring this back to the, the social stigma, the public perception. I think if you look at extreme artists or extreme martial artists, well, it's not just the strength world. You're going to get some snide looks out of uh, a lot of people, you know, regardless, you know, because it, it is extreme and it's unusual and, and that kind of stuff. Okay, guys, I think we're pretty much out of time. Yeah. So, good, good. good talk. Yeah, yeah that, was a, that was a great conversation. All right. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. So thank you to those who have done it. Uh, our mug drive, where we're giving away some thank you mugs, almost over at this point. We have just a handful left. And uh, those of you who have already supported us with a $4 a month recurring donation, your mugs are on the way. Again, thank you 50 times. And in the future, we'll try other promotions as well. Thanks. And we'd like to also announce that with our 100th episode, we're going to offer that caption contest on our Facebook uh, listeners page. So go to Facebook, type in Iron Radio, look at the pictures of Phil and Rob. We're going to have a picture of each of these guys and caption the photo. It should be fun. So again, go to Facebook, Iron Radio listeners page and tell us what Rob and Phil are doing, at least in your head. Should be fun, and you'll win a prize if we choose you as the funniest caption. Thanks. For the best sports nutrition information on the planet, make plans to attend the 8th Annual ISSN Conference and Expo, June 23rd to 25th, 2011, at the Westin Las Vegas Hotel, Casino, and Spa. We'll have the latest on creatine, beta-alanine, protein, nutrient timing, and much, much more. So... For more information, go to www.vissn.org. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.